Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Thank you, Izan. Yes, uh, again, a warm welcome to all of you. Thanks for joining us. And um, I just want to reiterate and, and emphasize what Izan said. Our, our small groups are really important to us. I was thinking this week of a scripture which says, uh, where, where Paul actually greets someone, and then he says, and the church that meets in your house. And he was talking about a, a small group, obviously. Um, wasn't the in, entire church in the city that was coming together. Uh, I mean, that, that also happened, of course. They, they came to be the, together in a big group. But, but it was interesting to me that when he referred to um, the small group that met in someone's house, he, said, he didn't say small group or something else. He said the church. That meets in your house, and I just want to really encourage you. If you if you're not in a small group, please um, join one. Please make sure that you join one. Not only because you need it, but because people need you to be there, and um, you, as part of the body of Christ, has something to contribute uh, to the lives of of, of others. Uh, you're missing out on a significant aspect of church if you're not in a small group that meets at someone's house and um, Louis who's going to be sharing Louis May is going to be sharing the word with us this morning is one of our small group facilitators and he's been faithfully serving for for quite a few years not only as a small group facilitator um, but also in the band as a drummer and in all kinds of other places Louis come stand here so long so uh, everyone can see you Um, and uh, yeah Louis um, really has a passion uh, to to hear God's voice um, prophetically and and from Scripture, and uh, God has been speaking to him about faith for for from last year, and we've been chatting about it quite a bit, and and just uh, chatting about how what what does God want to say to us as a community, as a church, through this word that He's given Him. So I'm very excited. I really believe this is a word in season, and Louis, we look forward to hear what the Lord has to say through you. Cool. Sorry. Let me just get all of this done. Morning, everyone. <laughs> um, all right. I actually just want to uh, start off just with some prayer. Um, yeah. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the absolute privilege, Lord, of being able to know you this morning, Lord. Thank you for the massive privilege, Lord, of having your word and yeah, Lord, being able to read it, Lord, and let it change our lives and change our hearts, Lord. And, and I really pray exactly that over our hearts this morning, Lord, that you would really come and plant in us, Lord, the seeds that you want to see the fruit of, Lord. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us, Lord, and that you would open our ears, Lord, open our eyes, Lord, to see the things that you would like us to see in here, Lord. And we just pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> so um, I just want to introduce myself, and he sort of gave a, a quick introduction. But um, so my name is Louis May, um, May like the month. Um, and, and I've been married to the beautiful Catherine for about a year now. And I think, yes, okay, here you can see the, that's what she looks like, absolutely beautiful. And, um, and I'm a filmmaker by profession. I uh, specifically focus on the areas of directing and editing. Um, so that's, that's my daily. And um, it is really a massive privilege this morning just to share um, on what the Lord has really been placing on my heart. So 
Um, Henry sort of mentioned that um, we're talking about faith, and, and I really want to focus a little bit this morning on what is faith. Um, it's, it's such a, it's a very fundamental concept, but yet extremely vague at the same time. You know, we, as followers of Jesus, use the words that, um, you know, that we are believers or we are people of the faith. Um, even use the words like, I've placed my faith on Jesus. Um, so extremely fundamental to what we believe, but yet extremely vague in the sense of, you know, what is faith? Um, it, it can come across so quickly as a just a pie in the sky, and we really don't sometimes fully understand the teaching of faith, and it's really something that we struggle to to understand. And so um, I'm praying that this morning that we really understand it, that we really start taking one step closer to really understanding the Lord's heart behind faith. Um, you know, and I guess we need a little faith to understand faith. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, this morning I want to look at a, a good example of faith. And you know, there's, there's a lot of different parts in the word where we see faith. Uh, we see a lot of people exercising faith. But um, I want to look at the father, father of faith this morning, which is Abraham. Um, and and I, I'm pretty sure if his name is the or he's called the father of faith, he's a pretty good candidate. So um, we also know that, for example, the three major monotheistic religions in the world, like Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, all refer to Abraham as the sort of father of their faith. Um, so I want to um, look at a definition of faith this morning, and this is derived from Romans 4, and I'm going to read the entire chapter for you just now, but see if you can spot this when we read it right after. So, faith is being fully persuaded that what God has promised, he alone has the power to perform, and adjusting our life accordingly. So, I'm just going to read that again. So, faith is being fully persuaded that what God has promised he alone has the power to perform and adjusting our life accordingly. Um, so just before I read this very long scripture, I just need some water, sorry. <laughs> so our scripture this morning is in Romans 4, verse 13 to 25. And um, it basically starts with Abraham's life. And this is actually Abraham's life described in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. So let us start with verse 13. So it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. There is that father of faith. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, 
and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to the death, he was delivered over to the death for our sins, and was raised to life for our justification. So, um, quite a long piece of scripture, but I want to just share a bit of a backstory. Henny mentioned that this has been something that the Lord has really placed on my heart for quite some time. Um, yeah, and I just want to go back a little bit and give a little bit more context of where this comes from. So, the 25th of April last year, um, I was in a, a wrestle with the Lord, if you will, um, really speaking to him and asking why I'm not necessarily feeling his presence as tangible as, as I used to in the past. You know, praying, use it, praying, reading the word, all of these things that should be an act of love and worship. Um, it actually changed, and, you know, it started feeling more like an obligation. Um, and, and this was very problematic for me. So the Lord came and spoke to me the morning of the 25th, and um, he did not give me an answer to my problem, but he did tell me to write a few things down. And the few things that he asked me to write down was big promises that I felt that the Lord was giving me. And it wasn't just for me. It was promises spoken over our household, over my wife and I. And um, after writing it down, I sort of <laughs> sat back and, and looked at it, and I had a bit of a laugh. You know, and, and you might ask the question, why did you laugh? It's, you know, it's promises, it's from the Lord. But today I can answer that, and it was because of my unbelief. It really was. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at what the Lord was telling me and telling us that he has in store for us, and um, basically said in my mind, so I guess the Lord heard it, but, you know, it's flattering, Lord, but... Um, Let's be real. Like, what you are putting forward, what you are planning for our lives, I'm not seeing it. It's not here. Um, you know, you have the wrong number. And, um, and, I, and I basically, you know, and I sort of asked myself, like, where is this unbelief coming from? Like, where, what is the root of this? And I want to share a little bit about my personal journey um, of how all of this contributed to this moment of unbelief. Because it was not all, you know, it wasn't just this moment of unbelief. It was a history that led up to this unbelief. And so I'm just, I just want to tell you guys a bit of my testimony. So I was very fortunate and blessed to have grown up in a Christian home. Parents that, that are spirit-filled. And my dad was, is a pastor in Rustenburg and 
my mom used to work for the church, and, and I really grew up remembering extremely special moments um, with the Lord, especially in my primary school years, you know, um, walking on, walking during school breaks and stuff, and, and prayer was something that was very normal in my life, but all of this very much started fading from about 13 into high school, and I really threw myself into gaming, uh, started like uh, doing competitive gaming, and you know, it, it became a god to me. It became a massive idol to me. Um, pornography became a part of my life. Um, I started lying to my parents, you know, to go drink on weekends. And eventually, after high school, all I wanted was freedom. I wanted to get out of the house, um, wanted to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. And, um, and so I got accepted into film school in 2014. And in my first two weeks of varsity, um, this freedom, you know, this thing that I thought I wanted, basically paid out quite quickly. And within the first two weeks, I lost my virginity. Um, and this should have hit much harder than it did at that stage. Um, and I think a big reality of that was because my life was not, my heart was not right with the Lord. And... Um, you know, I very much understood of years of teaching that something like that is not right. Um, I started, like, telling my friends, like, just, you know, just don't do it. I, I had no biblical evidence for it, but I was just like, just don't do it. Uh, believe me. Um, so the conviction was there, but it was never connected to the Lord. And, you know, um, the, the um, substance abuse continued, and it led into to weed, and it led into psychedelic drugs, and, um, and this all sort of built up to about um, my third year, the start of my third year, this was 2016, and, and, I, and there was a guy, it was around Easter, and he came and like knocked on our flat's door, and um, very passionate about the Lord, you know, and, and I knew so much about the Lord, I mean, I could have a relation, I could have a religious conversation and fool someone, but no, there was no fruit in my life. And um, so he, this guy really pushed us as students, and he was like, come to this prayer meeting, come to this prayer meeting, but it's 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so, I mean, I felt so guilty, so we went. And um, it was a small room, probably like 20 people, but people that was so on fire for the Lord. And, like, we stood there, we felt so out of place, but... I felt the Lord's presence for the first time in a very long time, and it really started. Um, it really started, uh, you know, igniting a desire to read the Word for myself, um, and and it started affecting my my lifestyle choices, you know, um, and 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 sorry, let me lost my place here. And so, so it was really going well. You know, I felt like I was really starting to grow close to the Lord. And, and all of this went up until the end of my third year. And we had a film wrap party. For those who don't know what that is, basically every film you finish, you have like a year-end function. For, so we have more than one. Um, and, and I made, through my bad decisions that night, I made the same mistake I made in my first two weeks of our city. And I, and I slept with a, with a girl again. And here, my heart was for the Lord. 
I started growing in relationship with the Lord. Conviction was something that was introduced into my life. And here this shame and this guilt of now not falling once but falling twice really hit me hard this time. And I remember um, it was Shofar Pretoria's um, relationship week, Nochal. And um, <laughs> end of that week, that Sunday, um, they did an altar call. And I mean, I ran. I ran to the front and... I, I felt like I was beyond saving. It's something I'm laughing and smiling about now, but it was really bad. Uh, you know, and, and something I never realized was I made myself a promise. And, um, you know, it's not like I've never received the promise, but I made myself a promise and said that the wife and the relationship that I've dreamed of my entire life, um, the, the wife I trusted and hoped for, you know, looking at godly relationships, I'm, I'm throwing away. I'm throwing that on the rubbish bin because that is where I am. Like, I do not deserve um, that promise. Like, you know, and the first time was like, you know, it's okay. Just don't do it again. And the second time was like, you've not only done this once, but you've done it twice. And in my eyes, it was like, no grace. Um, you know, and, and three weeks later... Three weeks later, um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer about two, two months before that, this event. And um, three weeks later, after having this massive mistake, um, I had a phone call from my dad, and he said, you better come to the hospital. Like, your mom's not going to make it. And so this was the 8th of September in 2016, and it was about 5 o'clock in the morning, rushed to Rustenburg, and... You know, and and about ten past one that afternoon, my mom went to be the, with the Lord, and 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 here I sat, you know, like from building a relationship, building a trust in the Lord, I sat with shame. I sat with the guilt of never telling my mom, you know, um, and then the hurt of her being gone as well. Um, so. Uh, I'm, I'm moving, I'm leaving a lot of stuff out, but I really want to get to certain points. So about a week later, two days before my mom's funeral, um, I was heading back to Centurion to finish some work, and um, at that stage, BB and I were roommates, um, and so cool that he's here this morning. And uh, it was a Sunday evening, and I remember it was I was driving back late, and the song, It Is Well With My Soul, was playing. Um, and I was, like, crying. And, and I said to the Lord, like, I know my mom is in heaven, but if she is, could you show me? Like, please, just show me. Um, completely forgetting, forgetting about that request, went to the McDonald's and, you know, like, taking him through the week, how things have been, and just catching up. And two ladies walked into McDonald's 11 o'clock at night. It was just the two of us. And... Um, they walked in, they sort of sat across us, and they kept staring at us. <laughs> it was quite strange. But um, the one lady then eventually stood up and walked over to us, and she, was, she asked, like, do you mind if I pray with you? Otherwise, I would be disobedient. So didn't give her my name, didn't give her anything. So like, okay, sure. And um, so she started praying, and she said two things to me that night. Um, and she, start, and she prayed and said that the Lord says that 
He wants to give you a covenant marriage. Um, and he will put a woman in your life that loves you as much as your mom loved you. And, um, you know, and, and God, looking at that that night, God promised me the exact opposite of what I promised myself. And so I, I want to fast forward to last year again, sitting with this promise in front of me and, um, you know, and, and doubting, you know, looking at a promise again and doubting after seeing the Lord come through so miraculously. And, and the next morning I woke up and I, I felt Romans 4.21, Romans 4.21, you know, it just kept repeating in my head. It was almost like the abbreviation, like the ROM 4.21, ROM 4.21. And, uh, so eventually, like, I got up and I read it, and it said the following, um, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Um, and I just want to read that again, and I really want this verse to, like, drop deep into our hearts, like, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so... This morning, I want to focus a little bit on faith's object, on our faith's object, you know, and and how that relates to God's promise. Um, And I'm going to start with with verse 13, and I think we can start with the question of what was Abraham's promise from God? You know, um, before we put our belief in something, we have to have a promise, Um, so what was Abraham's promise from God? And we see that in verse 13, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. So here we see what the promise is, that he would be heir of the world. So we see Abraham's promise from God was that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. So heir of the world, so the basis of Abraham's promise was that he would have a son. God would give him a son. It's impossible to have an heir of the world if you do not have a son. So that was the the sort of initial promise that the Lord gave Abraham, and that was what Abraham was trusting for, that he would have a son. And um, just to add, when Abraham received this promise, he was about 70 years old. Um, So... And, and so now we ask ourselves, Abraham's 70 years old. He receives the promise. And so I guess the next question is, how does he respond to God? Did he laugh the way I, do, I did? Or uh, was his response a little bit different? And so in verse 18, we see his response. And it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So I want to paint a picture, not to be funny, but I really want us to try and imagine this. So Catherine's grandmother is turning 90 years old this year. And um, if I were to tell you she's pregnant, would you believe me? (laughs) Um, Where's your faith? (laughs) But, um, I mean, we can't imagine that. And in fact, we shouldn't. <laughs> that um, it's just weird. But uh, you know, it's not natural. It's not logical, and it's impossible. Um, so, I mean, just out of interest, I googled what is the oldest 
you know, <laughs> birth that has been um, verified through the medical records. And the lady was 74, and she gave, uh, yeah, she gave, she was 74, she gave um, birth to twins, and it was through artificial insemination. And so she was 74. Sarah basically received this promise on that level. So, um, yeah, and, you know, so, I mean, we've, we've all seen these videos of these superhuman, superhumans or, you know, um, extraordinary humans, people just doing insane stuff with their bodies and with their minds, you know, people really getting to the point of being able to master their body or their mind to the extent where they can do something that we thought was impossible. But the one thing no one has control over is the natural aging uh, reality of our bodies. You know, that's the one thing we can't control. Yes, we can try and keep young and fit, but, like, you can't control whether you're going to have kids at 90 or not. So our, um, you know, so our observation from verse 13 and verse 18 is that Abraham didn't just have faith in, like, you know, in a cloud, like, or just in God in general. Like, he believed that there was a promise that God gave him, and he believed in that promise. And the next thing we see is that not only did he receive the promise and he believed it, but he adjusted his life. He adjusted his faith according to, to that promise. And, um, and we see that in, in verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So Abraham wasn't ignorant. It wasn't like they didn't have the medical research we have at the moment. He understood 100% that there's no way (laughs) that they are having children. So he faced that fact, and he stood right in front of it and said, like, Lord, I'm seeing the hope against me, but in hope I'm believing. Um, And then the third thing was that he started, or the second thing, he started walking with that expectation that this is possible. Even though it's not, I believe it is. And, and the way he strengthened his faith in that doubt, the way he strengthened himself in, in really believing this promise was he was giving glory to God that he's having a child soon. In that doubt, he was like, Lord, I thank you for my child. I thank you for blessing us, you know. Uh, I think in today's age, it would probably be like, you know, preparing the baby's room, you know. And, um, and so how was, I think the question is like, how was he able to walk in this unwavering faith? Because if we had to look at ourselves, if we were to stand in this position, what would our faith look like, you know? And so we see in verse 21 and verse 22, almost Abraham's secret to his unwavering faith. And it says, it was because he was being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And this is why it was accredited to him as righteousness. So he was fully persuaded in God and not the promise. He was persuaded that God had the full power to do uh, to do the promise that God gave him, you know. In fact, the promise wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for God. So the, the faith started with with Abraham. 
placing his faith in God, and through that, he, he started believing that promise. And so if we, um, if we look carefully at verse 21, um, Abraham's faith had two objects. He had a direct object, which was God, and he had an indirect object, which was the promise. And so Henny and I have recently spoken a bit about like faith's double object and sometimes the danger around presumption when it comes to promises. So Henny, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit on this topic, please. Thanks, Louis. Yes, it's... Um, I, I realize more and more as I walk with the Lord and as I study His Word that the object of our faith is even more important than the strength of our faith. So often we think it all depends on the strength of our faith, but ultimately it depends on the object of our faith. Um, even weak faith in a strong God is better than strong faith in a weak God. And, and therefore, the first object of our faith is so important that, that we have faith in a strong God, a God who has the power to perform what he has promised to fulfill his promises. Um, and and um, we should have that, 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 that focus on God as the object of faith, trusting in him. And like, like Abraham, being persuaded that he is who he says he is and who he is who has revealed himself to be in his word. And he can do what he says he can do. And, and in fact, it says that nothing is too difficult for him. And so... Um, you know, having, having our trust in that, that object, of first, firstly of God himself and then of his promises, which are entirely in line with who he is. And um, yeah, like Louis said, we were talking about the whole issue of, of presumption. What's the difference between presumption and faith? And um, on both those levels, you know, the, the two objects of faith, the, the person of God and the promise of God, which are the two objects of, of our faith, we can have presumption. And, and the first presumption related to the person of God is when we trust in God, not as he's revealed himself to be, but as we want him to be. And, um, or, or trust in the other God. And so it's, it's so easy to trust in the other God, trust in your own strength, trust in your own ability, trust in your finances or your, your, your bank account, trust in the economy of the country. Um, but all of those gods will let you down. Um, but it's also even for us as Christians who, who believe in the God of the Bible, it's it's possible for us to, instead of go to Scripture and allow God to reveal himself as he really, really is, we can go to Scripture and read into Scripture who we want God to be and say, God, you know, um, <laughs> C.S. Lewis says it this way, he says, um, so often what we want is not a father God but a grandfather God. Because the difference between a, a father and a grandfather is a father won't always give you what you want. A grandfather will spoil you and he'll always give you what you want. <laughs> but a father God will give you, sometimes he'll give you what you want, but, but he'll always give you what you need. And sometimes he won't give you what you want because what you want isn't what's good for you. You might want those sweets and those things that are unhealthy and uh, unhelpful, but he won't give it to you. And, and so often we, we presumptuously seek for a grandfather God in Scripture when God reveals himself as a father who will discipline us sometimes, who will sometimes say, no, I'm not going to give you that. It's not good for you. You don't, you, you shouldn't, I'm not going to answer that. Or I am going to answer that prayer, but my answer is no. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but then we presumptuously say, no, if God is a good God, he'll always give me what I want and what I think I need. Um, but God knows what we really need. Um, so, so that's the one uh, form of presumption related to the person of God. But then there's another form of presumption related to the promise of God. It's also presumption and not faith. When we claim by faith that which God has not promised or that which God has not promised to us, that which God has maybe promised to someone else. Um, so, so often people will claim by faith, Christians, and, and this, obviously the stuff like the prosperity gospel is, is based on this, you know, just name it, frame it, and claim it, whatever you want, you know, just claim it by faith. But the problem with that is you, you might end up claiming by faith that which God has never promised. So you've got to, you know, like Abraham, have an actual promise from God. You, and, 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 and obviously the, the infallible promises of God are found in his word. But the other nuance of that is where we claim by faith that which God has not promised to us specifically. I mean, Abraham was promised physical descendants. He was promised a son, Isaac. But that physical descendant, that promise of physical descendants might not be for everyone because God might have called you to celibacy where he doesn't want you to marry, like he called Jesus and he called the Apostle Paul, to celibacy. So if, if Paul, the Apostle, had claimed that promise, it wouldn't have applied to him. And it's so easy for us, um, because we want what we want, to claim promises, even scriptural promises, that, God, that are not made to us. And um, the challenge is that there are many promises in Scripture that are not made to us. So how do we safely claim the promises of God when many of them are not made to us. Many of them are made, say, to the Jews or to Abraham or, or to, to whatever, to whomever, but not, but not to us. And, and I think that challenge, uh, the gospel gives us a very powerful, and I think you're going to share about that in a moment, a very powerful solution to that promise uh, where we can... Um, Claim by faith that which has really applies to us. Uh, and, and God has found a way of, of applying the, the most powerful promises in Scripture to, to us in a very specific way. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Um, yeah, so just, you know, just to sort of latch on to what Henny said, um, you know, like I said, Abraham's promise was receiving a son, receiving an heir, and you know, I don't think that God is promising each and every single one of us that we will have children at 90 um, or at 100. So, like, what was the actual promise? Um, and, and so Galatians 3.16 actually gives us a little bit of insight into that. And it's so, so amazing that Scripture, like, explains these things so beautifully. And it says, um, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And, and so, you know, and, and this makes so much sense. If we now look at Abraham's vision, Abraham's vision was just, Lord, just extend, you know, just give me an heir. Just extend my bloodline. And the Lord gave him that promise, but Abraham's vision was still very short. And I think so many times ours is as well. But what the Lord had in mind was not to end it with Isaac or Jacob. It was like, 
this will be the offspring of Jesus. This will be the offspring that brings salvation to the entire world. And, and we see that in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, and it says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So basically, every promise of God will always be yes in him. Um, and the promise will always be amen in him. God's promise will also bring glory to him through us. And, you know, we, we know scriptures like we are blessed to be a blessing. And, and that's the reality of a godly promise is that that promise never stops with us. It is always, it, the Lord always has a way bigger purpose with a promise from him than he has for us. And so this was God's plan from the beginning. When he called Abraham, when he gave him that promise, um, his promise was to, you know, reveal this promise to the entire world that through Jesus, through his offspring, that we could now say this promise in him is yes and amen. And, um, you know, some of us might say this morning that that's great and all, but I've never received the promise you know, or I've never heard the Lord speak to me, so like, how can I say I have a promise? So where do I put my faith? Or, um, or you haven't even come to a place of believing in Jesus, you know, like faith is not even a thing you believe in. And, and I want to read again the last five verses for us. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited, credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit, credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And... The reality is, is in 2016, when we were sitting in that, in that McDonald's, and the Lord gave me a promise of a wife, it, won, it was never the promise that gripped my life. It was never the, you know, the promise of a wife or a marriage that gripped my life. It was the grace and the love that the Lord gave me a promise based on a righteousness that I never had. Um, and, and that is what gripped me, and that is... You know, like, I've, I'm married today, well, today for about 13 months now. But his grace and his love is what will keep me looking to him for the rest of my life. Not my wife, not the promise of a house, not the promise of a car, not the promise of anything else. It's the promise of his righteousness in my life. And, and that is not through me, it's not through our strength, it is through him. And because those promises can only be applied to Abraham and his offspring, and Jesus is that offspring. And through him, we see that in him, our promises are yes and amen. So I just want to, um, you know, and, and we, and I, and I think just like to mention, but promise, uh, um, Abraham looked forward to an heir. He trusted the Lord for an heir, and we are so privileged this morning because instead of us looking forward, we look back. We look back to an heir. We look back to a promise. Not that, you know, that the Lord has promised and we haven't seen it. Like, we have seen the Lord's faithfulness. We have seen that he said that in him it is yes and amen. Like, and the Lord 
stuck to his promise. He sent his son and his son to die for us. And, and so we have a choice this morning. And that is exactly what faith is. You know, no one can force you to believe in anything. You choose. It's a very specific choice. And if we look at the deadness of our life, like the deadness of Sarah's womb and Abraham's body, like the failures, the fears, everything, all the hope that is against us, we can believe in hope this morning. And um, so not wavering through unbelief, but giving glory to God this morning. Because what he has promised, he has the ability to perform. It's not you. It's not in your strength. So, um, and I just maybe just wanted to add, um, in, in the intercession this morning, this verse just came up, and I just want to read it for us in closing. And it's in First Peter 1, verse 6 to 9, and it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These, has, these have come so that the the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, yeah, and I just want to end with that. You know, like if we, the Lord is not just giving us a promise and say, like, you know, just, just believe in me vaguely. No, like there's an exchange and there's inexpressible joy that comes from our faith. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Louis. Um, I also just want to encourage you, just a, a practical tip that Abraham gives us or that Paul gives us from the life of Abraham in this is worship. It says he did not waver in his, uh, through unbelief, he didn't waver in his faith, um, but, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. Literally it says giving glory to God. And, and you, you, could, you could read it as um, because he had faith, he gave glory to God. But I think actually it's, a, it's, a, it's the other way around, um, and, and you can definitely read it like that in the Greek. Because he gave glory to God, he was strengthened in his faith. And, and if you think about it, that's naturally what happens. If, I mean, God has, has a proven track record of faithfulness in Scripture, of thousands of years of never breaking a single promise. And if you know God and you worship Him, how would you focus your eyes on Him and see Him in His faithfulness through Scripture and through your own experience? You see Him being faithful and having the power to perform what he has promised, to fulfill his promises. As you look to God, your confidence in God and therefore your confidence in his promise grows and you become more and more persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. And so I, I want to encourage you, constantly hold up the promise of God. And, and you know, so, so, so often we, we get taught, you know, wrongly that, that faith is a kind of spiritual ignorance where you sort of put on blinders and ignore the facts. But, but this text tells us, no, Abraham, face the facts. Don't, you don't have to be in denial and deny the facts in order to have faith. Face the facts. Acknowledge the facts. But then say, but the promises of God supersedes the facts. It's over the facts. It, it, um, it's a higher level of reality than the facts because God created the laws of nature and he can supersede he 
can overcome. He can overwrite the laws of nature. And as we worship Him, it's specifically as we worship Him that our faith is strengthened like Abraham's. And we can receive, we can trust in God and we can trust in His promises by being persuaded that He is powerful, that He has the power to perform them. So Father God, we just come to you in Jesus' name and we just set our eyes on you. We worship you. We honor you as the God who is completely faithful, who has impeccable integrity, who has never failed to deliver on a promise. A God who is so strong and so powerful that nothing is impossible for him. We worship you as as the only God we thank you that as we keep our eyes on you in praise and worship glorifying you that our confidence in you our persuasion of who you are and that you are and that that we can trust what you've promised that 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 confidence is strengthened and i just pray for every single person hearing my voice today I pray, Lord, that you'll strengthen their faith as they worship you, as they look to you with the eyes of faith. Thank you, Lord, that even as, as um, Lord, you, you, you sort of led us to pray in intercession, Lord, that we can take off a set of glasses of unbelief and put on the glasses, the spectacles of faith and look at you and ourselves and our world through the eyes of faith. And like Abraham, be fully persuaded that you have the power to perform your promises. I just pray your blessing over all your people. Be glorified in us as we trust in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com